Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table, discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. Uh, and mm-hmm. Aaron, my mm-hmm. friend, you are up this week. Oh, what have you brought to the table <laughs> in what is our 90th episode? Oh, episode number 90. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so... Um, Wow, what a, that's that's a fun milestone, isn't um, it? Yeah. So I'm bringing an article from Mother Jones Magazine uh, called "How the Story of Soccer Became the Story of Everything." Mm-hmm. At least that's what that's called online. I think in yes. the physical copy I have, uh, it's called Bloodsport, but I don't know. It's it's not reachable for me no, right here I see it, as I but record it's not it. Reachable. Um, <laughs> to look at it, but. Um, yeah, it is an article that explores the way that the economics of the ultra-wealthy oligarchs uh, and petro-states have taken over European soccer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and that's not to, I left out like um, um, American hedge fund kind of people too, um, who are also doing this stuff. Um, but it's an interesting article, I think, because the it talks about the volatility of the sport um, based in the promotion and relegation system, right, seems to be one of the ways that the sport becomes susceptible to this kind of investment. Yeah. So clubs can be in crisis um, or close to it, uh, and you know they're seeking this investment um, and the stability of this investment from an ownership with seemingly unending pockets. Yes. Like very very deep pockets. Very deep pockets. Um, <laughs> And I think it's fascinating to consider how ultra wealthy people are are ultra wealthy people are buying clubs and then using their own power through the ownership of those clubs to make their own rules. Uh, so you know the article follows um, Roman Abramovich for quite a bit. Uh, he owned Chelsea Football Club until earlier in 2022. Yep. Uh, Qatar, the, the host of the recently concluded World Cup, um, and uh, owner of Paris Saint Germain. Um, United Arab Emirates, who through, quote, private funds, mm. uh, own City Football Group, which includes Manchester City Football Club. Right. Uh, and then Saudi Arabia, who again, through, quote, private funds, owns Newcastle Football Club. Um, and so what I'll say is those three clubs, actually all four of those, Chelsea, PSG, uh, City, Manchester City, and Newcastle, all prior to the ownership of these ultra wealthy funds or or people um, were relatively volatile, Mm. right? Um, Chelsea had not and has not been relegated in the, the sort of modern era of the premier league. uh, But PSG like was not the, um, the, the stronghold that it is. Um, Manchester city went up and down a lot before they were bought out by um, UAE. Um, and then Newcastle Football Club also, like in the last eight years, has been really volatile. So the the way that this investment works is, I think, finding these clubs that have the opportunity to become global names. Mm-hmm. And Powerhouses in the sport. Investing, right? investing tons of money mm-hmm. and then sort of 
buying them out and investing tons of money in them so that they are then powerhouses. Yes. Um, so I think it's just interesting to see that how that happens. And then somebody like Roman Abramovich, um, throughout the article, they talk about the ways that he has navigated um, additional citizenships and mm. like sort of, you know, suddenly he has a new passport yep. to a different country through totally, quote, legal means. And you're like, well... What, but how did you get that? And yeah. like now you have, um, at one point in the article, they talk about how he got Israeli citizenship so that he wouldn't need a visa to come back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, because or to the U.K. Because something happened um, with his his visa wasn't renewed, um, but now he had Israeli citizenship, hmm. and so he could come and go as a you know an EU member and a um, a citizen of an ally to the U.K. So it's just interesting, also how these these things like operate and how people get to create their own rules based on the yes. power of owning these clubs and the yes. money that they then have yeah. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, this is, this was a great article. Like, uh, and that was really a great summary, but I think the, the piece was so, as you sort of describe it, like I think folks listening, if they haven't listened yet, can get a sense of how thorough this piece was. Yeah. And it's just so fascinating. And I think it's fascinating for a lot of reasons, uh, you know, for, for one, just given that we're coming out of the other side of the World Cup. And uh, so I think soccer is on the brain for all of us, mm. and especially mm-hmm. those of us who are, are soccer fans like we are. And we've shared that here, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, we love the game. We love soccer. And so, you know, I was really excited. I don't even remember when this was <laughs> time uh, when you brought this article up and, and showed it to me and and you were going to bring it to the table because, you know, I think we both have a lot of personal interest in, you know, an opportunity like this to learn more about this side of of football, you know, this side of the game. Yeah. Um, well, and this is such a big, this is and has been a conversation over yes, the last few years, particularly yes. with the Newcastle situation, mm. but even Roman Abramovich. And so it's really interesting to read an article like that has done some some investigation into that as well. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And what an investigation. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, there was a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot that I did learn. And in particular, thinking about just like this, the outright corruption, mm-hmm. you know, to really just call it what it is that exists in soccer um, and at this level is, is quite mind-blowing, actually, right? And for me, it was really wild to see the amounts of money. Like, we are talking about hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars here, right? And in all of these situations, ones that you named, and there were some others in the piece as well. And um, But to to see that kind of money and then to also see the connections between that money and the sport of soccer – um, to corporations and these billionaires and to yep. countries and political leaders, right? And mm-hmm. and and this piece, I think, makes it really clear how easy it is for corruption to exist in these places and spaces when we're talking about that kind of money. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how easy it is to see how actions by these leagues, these corporations, these billionaires um, could be or have been overlooked right or not properly sanctioned in ways that ensure that uh the this impropriety doesn't continue to happen right or you don't have situations like you described you know so yeah. um there's there's kind of a lot i want to talk about as it relates to that but i think in so many ways this piece for me even though i am a soccer fan i feel like in so many ways i'm new to some of this other side of yeah, the politics of the politics of mm-hmm. it all you know yeah and i think I mean, one of the things that's also interesting about this is there's a, a little mention in the piece um, about how 
they're specifically talking about sporting sport that happens outside of the U.S. Right? Yes, like this doesn't happen in the same way in um, in uh, American football right. clubs, uh, you know, the NFL or or even baseball. Like it doesn't happen in the leagues here because of the way that they're sort of regulated, yes. and there's so much more profit sharing that happens mm-hmm. uh, in the league in the leagues here that, that just doesn't happen in the same way. Right. Um, in these other leagues and also promotion and relegation creates that as well. It right? plays such a huge, huge role in that and, yeah. and makes it the, the unique case that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, so one of the things I, I want to talk about from the article is how complicated all of this is, how, <laughs> how interconnected all of these pieces are. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of examples that I, I wanted to, to pull out. So, uh, Gazprom, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, it's a Russian energy company, which is not just from Russia, but backed by the Russian government. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's then a major sponsor of UEFA, which is the European Football Association. Um, so that's the regional football. It's like the regional of FIFA. Right? FIFA runs the World Cup. Yep. Um, on the Euro- Europe level, they run competitions uh, both for, for countries and for clubs. Um, so they run the Champions League. They run the Europa League. And Gazprom has been a major sponsor of these competitions. Mm-hmm. So then you think about it. And if Gazprom's a sponsor of these competitions and Russia is like running Gazprom. Backing them. Yep. Then the Russian government is then funding and sponsoring these tournaments. Right. Which then what do you do when that government that is sponsoring indirectly your competition decides to invade another country yeah. who is also participating in the competition. Yes. What do you do? Yeah. Um, and, and even, and quite frankly, even if they weren't invading another country, yeah. like what do you do? What is the morality of that kind of situation? Too, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, beyond that sort of real example of Russia uh, invading and attacking the Ukraine or, or Ukraine earlier this year, um, you know, what does it mean for a country to be sponsoring these, yes. these things? Um, and, uh, you know, this is an actual question. I don't know that I have an answer. Right. Like, what does it mean? Yeah. Is that better than like a, a multinational bank sponsoring it? Mm, I yeah. don't, I don't know. I, yep. I have no idea, but um it's it's something to I guess just think about like what does it mean that the government Russian government is sponsoring this? Um, so another example is the BN Sports Network uh, being owned by Qatar, which I didn't know about. I didn't either. Um, yep. And they're a major player in broadcasts of European competitions across the world. Yeah, sometimes here as well. There have been times where it's like, oh, you can watch that if you get a subscription to BN Sports. I'm like, yep. oh, well. That's okay. Yep. <laughs> um, game doesn't matter that much. Yep. And that was before I knew who sort of ran it um, as well. And so, you know, what does it mean that a country is pouring money into these services because they have it and then making millions on subscription fees? Like I don't – like all of these things are so interconnected and so interwoven that it's it's hard to parse out like what it actually means for the sport or what it means for like us as – participants in it and all, all of those questions of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like you use the word complicated and it's such a great word. And I think about, I, like I said, I didn't know about <clears throat> BN sports either being owned by uh, Qatar. And I, I'm pretty sure they also, 
are a sponsor of some major tennis tournaments as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm a tennis fan. And so I, I, all these years of being a tennis fan, I also had no idea um, at all um, about them. And so it does, it, it, those are really good questions for us to sort of grapple with. Right. And it, and it also makes me think about what are the ways in which these um, leagues are grappling with those questions as well, or, or are they right? Mm -hmm. um, and have they been presented with situations where they need to make a tough decision, but, given who's backing them and where the money's coming from, maybe they've made not the best decision. Right. right. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. You know, I think the, the money is, is the, the money of all of this <laughs> is, is where I just couldn't, I couldn't let it go. Right. I think in so many ways, when I read this piece and read about sort of the story and the history and the evolution of soccer, um, the only word that came to mind was sort of like horrifying, right? Like mm. it's 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 horrifying and, and wild to see how money and power have corrupted the sport in so many ways over the years. And in particular, one of the things I read this online, you may have read it in the actual um, magazine, but there's a video um, that sort of like summarizes the the article a bit as well. And, you know, they talked about how money and power have been used to spin narratives in the favor of the sport, yep. right? And yep. leagues and individual clubs and certainly for corporations and even countries, right? Like there's there's evidence of how FIFA has benefited from this corruption, right? And how, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the article, they talk about how certain individuals and you named them, you know, became some of the richest people in their countries and even the world as a result of, of this corruption, right? How certain companies or sorry countries won bids for the world cup back in the day you know yep. given this wealth and this power and this influence and so and and that was the case with qatar right um, yep. in their selection as the host of this year's world cup right and i think we're going to talk about i'm sure we're going to talk about this but like despite mm -hmm. Qatar having no infrastructure <laughs> to host None. an event like the World Cup. So, you know, to me, all of this was a reminder in its own way. And, you know, in this context, it's about sport. It's about soccer, right? But, you know, in general, about the 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 size, the scope, the amount of money held by corporations and certainly by individuals, I think when we're talking about this kind of money, it's, it's problematic, right? And it mm -hmm. only leads to... And as we'll as we see in this article and and in the case in Qatar, like horrific outcomes um, in many ways. And so I think we as a society have to also grapple. I'm adding a list of things for us to consider um, to your list here. Right. Like how do we as a society talk about that, grapple with that, make sense of that and work to to address it, I think. Yeah. I mean, and let's just jump into talking about Qatar and, and the yeah. 2022 World Cup. Um you know that's why I brought this um, to the table. I think that would this was yes, the November. Was this is the November article or November December um, November slash December. Yeah, feature. cover story yep. for Mother Jones, mm -hmm. um, tied to right World Cup timeline, um, which is not the usual World, World Cup timeline either. Yeah. Quickly, I will talk about the actual match uh, and the, and the actual sport um, because it just wrapped up. So and the final was incredible yes um it really and, was. and um one of maybe the best matches i've ever seen um and 
honestly, the actual soccer throughout the tournament, like the play of the teams was excellent. And there was so much drama around the storylines of who would progress to the knockout rounds from yep. the group stage, you know, entering the last games of the group stage, only two teams were eliminated. So like literally almost everybody had an opportunity to yes. move on, um, which is just exciting to watch that happen. Yep. Um, watch it play out. Uh, live in two different places right like in those two different places influencing one another um and really just excellent excellent competition all the way around all throughout um and and you know that's all great and it's all marred by the way that we got here and that's that context matters too you know there's a record there's evidence of bribes for this world cup and i believe for russia yep as well um and there's so much sports washing, right, where you pay attention to the actual competition and not to how we got to the competition. Yeah. Um, and that's a very narrow definition of that. There's more to sports washing than that. Um, but so much sport washing on the record of migrant deaths and LGBTQ rights um, in the country and, you know, the official death count of migrant workers in building these stadiums. Because as you said, there was no infrastructure. There were no FIFA level capacity stadiums that they had when they won the bid. The official death count is two. Mm. That's what they said. That's what um, the president of FIFA said. Um, Who happens to have moved to Doha recently. Mm. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Um, It was mentioned in the article. But we know that thousands of people died. And it happened at a rate of nearly one per day. That's just um, wild. One person a day. And that's that's just hard to fathom mm-hmm. that like there was nothing done to address what was happening here. Um, and not only were people dying, but they were also participating in a system that was exploiting them um, in that they were brought to do this work and then their passports were taken from them yep. a lot of the times. And yep. so they they did, they did were then trapped um, and couldn't go anywhere. Um, so, you know, while we sort of bask in the glory of the actual sporting event and Lionel Messi and uh, Kylian Mbappe and their amazing play, like also what was the cost for us to get there and yeah. to witness that um, live? Like what what is the cost collectively that we paid to have that event happen in the way that it did. Absolutely. Like there's there's work we have to do to, um, and it's important to acknowledge the, <clears throat> excuse me, the atrocities, right, that mm-hmm. that occurred, right? And I think, I can't recall, I know it was in the article, right, but, you know, Qatar got this, uh, was selected, what was it? They had 10 years to make yep. this, happen, something long, like yeah, that, right? Time. 10 years to make this happen. And so, um, and I, you know, want to name and acknowledge, I, I, up until maybe earlier this year, I had no idea any of this was going on, right? That um, they were selected and they had no infrastructure and had to create it. I mean, it, they, they talked about the fact in the article, they talked about how they had to sort of create a city they had to create a city that didn't exist mm-hmm. um so that they had the infrastructure and the uh, the place and space for people to descend to to enjoy the world cup i mean that is uh 
heroic's not the right word, but a daunting task, right, to do in 10 years, mm-hmm. um, right? And so that relied on the backs of these migrant workers who, in addition to sort of, right, their, some of their passwords were taken away and, you know, they died at a rate of one per day. You know, they also, many of them were housed together, right? And some yeah. of the quarters in which those folks lived in um, were prison-like. And many of them would follow up and ask about, when are we going to get paid? And, and and they heard nothing, right? And they were just sort of told to work. And so to me, it's just like, the it was the most atrocious of, of conditions for for workers to be in and to not be taken care of. And, and certainly for so many of them to have lost their lives. And I think, you know, as you said, it's difficult to fathom that. And um, even though it's kind of a tale as old as time, right? Like this idea mm-hmm. of the wealthy not really giving a damn about oh yeah, the people, right? Yeah. Um, the people doing the work to continue to make them rich and richer, mm-hmm. um, right? It's, but it's, it's awful, right? And I think it speaks to, you know, the point I made earlier about how we have to, name this and address this. And I love your point about how we have to do that alongside, you know, the the enjoyment of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it just added to the list of why I appreciated, you know, having this front and center um, in, in my in my world and, and having to read this article in particular. And I'm excited that we're getting the chat about it. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right. Well, let's let's talk about application, um, how this connects to our day to day lives. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's important to note how much of the world, how much of the world around us is controlled by business oligarchies, billionaire interests that we all sort of interact with. Right. Like, uh, dear listener, you're likely listening to this recording on Apple or Spotify because that's what our statistics tell us that you're listening to it on. Not dear Um, listener. I love it. (laughs) And both of those companies are insanely wealthy. And so what does it mean for us to consume content on their platforms? What does it mean for us to participate in their stuff, like buy their products, subscribe to their service as regular people? Um, is there an implied agreement with their behavior or activities, right? Like you're thinking about Apple um, and the stories about the, the Foxconn and, and the places that are producing yes. their the, um their products, um, you know, what, is there an implied agreement with that? Because, you know, I have Apple products and, yes. um, yeah, does as a, you know, individual does supporting Manchester United mean that I somehow support the ownership group, um, uh, the Glazer family, yeah. um, I don't know, are, are Newcastle supporters now aligned with, uh, Mohammed bin Salman who, um, murdered ordered the murder of jamal khashoggi um probably yes but also maybe not like right right like it's probably in some kind of weird both and yes place where we have to parse these things out and try to make sense of it for ourselves um you know i don't have answers to these questions but i think they're things to consider um whether we're talking about the world cup or or which club we support or how we participate in the economy yes um and, you know, there's also not really such a thing as ethical consumption mm-hmm. in these systems that are exploiting workers everywhere. Yep. Um, so then, you know, what do we do? How do we decide to do that um, and, and balance those priorities out that we have for, like, you know, collective liberation with also, like, having to participate in the world 
yes. as it exists now. Absolutely. It's all it's a it's just a constant sort of tension and push and pull of of how we think about how to participate in those things. Those are those are really great questions. Like it 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 dawned on me as you were talking about, you know, the apples, the Spotify's, the clubs we support, you know, the sports teams and all of that, right? Like just the and this idea that there's really no such thing as ethical consumption, right? Like you know, as you said, Apple, I'm looking at the fact that I'm reading off of a MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. I have an iPhone. I have an Apple Watch. Right. But yeah. it's like I have to have a phone. And so if I got rid of my Apple phone, what other phone could I get? And it but is it better? Uh, is Probably it not. better? Probably not. Right. Is a Google mm -hmm. Pixel better? Is Google better? Is, you know, yeah. so, yeah, it's hard to to grapple with that and to think about, well, what is the alternative? Right. But these are questions we're asking ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. I think, um, as I was thinking about application, the, just this idea of this, this history and this story of, of money and power in the sport of soccer that, you know, uh, is the focus of this piece, I think is really just a universal one. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you know, there's just so much money and, and power in sports and in leagues across the world, even here in the United States, right? And you alluded to, you know, how the structures are different here um, in our in our leagues. But I think about one of the things that was shared in this article was uh, how some of the teams in the Premier League tried to form that Super League last yeah. year, right? And there was so much pushback and protest from fans and from players, even all of that came to light. And I think that was a huge re uh, one of the major reasons why that deal fell apart. And so, and so to me, it's like, if that could happen, right? Like, could that serve as a case study for how we as everyday people and fans of these institutions might be able to do work to check their power and their reach, right? Mm -hmm. If that makes mm -hmm. sense, right? Like to make sure that these sports and these leagues don't lose sight of the game, certainly, especially as we, you know, we watched that documentary earlier about the NFL, right? Players yeah. and their health and their safety and their uh, holistic well-being, right? Um, and, you know, that they don't fall prey to or fall further down this path of corruption that only leads to, you know, protecting that power and perpetuating that power and wealth and, and further corruption. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think there's lots of big question application here from this piece that um, will be great for us to continue to talk about and think about. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the, this, the story here is not right. Like the, the article is called how soccer is and has become the story of everything. Yes. Right? Like it's, it, this is the story yeah. about much yeah. more than what we're talking about. Today. Absolutely. Good um, point. Yep. So speaking of, um, let's talk about homework. How do okay. we continue to learn about, uh, this concept, this idea topic beyond our conversation today? Um, and there are so many links <laughs> included in this article, yeah. um, that point at the larger picture of what we're talking about here. Um, there's also the book that's mentioned by um, called How Soccer Explains the World, uh, An Unlikely Theory of Globalization, which was written in 2004 by Franklin Foer. Yeah. Um, and it proved to predict some of the future um, and also fall a little short of seeing how complex these economic machines um, would become. Yeah. So, you know, as an example, Roman Abramovich didn't didn't buy Chelsea until after the book was published. And then a few years after that, Manchester United was bought in a leveraged buyout by the Glazer family, uh, where they used the value of the club to create a loan to then use that money to buy the club, which just oh. 
Wow. It feels like you just made up money. Like yes, you just, literally. Huh. Uh, but okay. Um, and um, hashtag Glazers out. Um, so also there's no, um, there's so much that changed so quickly in the wake of the book that was impossible to predict. Yes. Um, but the core of it remains true. I think that global football soccer tells us a lot of truths about how our oligarchical capitalist economy works around the world. So a good book to read. You're saying we should read that uh, book. Yeah, I, maybe. It's on my shelf upstairs. I have a copy oh, of it. Yeah. Well, let's um, do so, it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I, I was just fascinated by everything that we read in this piece. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a lot. Uh, it was personal, just given that uh, we both are, but I'm going to speak here in the first person. We're both soccer fans. And so, you know, I think for me, I want to just do some more digging and research into the history and the money behind and, and in the Premier League. And, yeah. um, you know, we've got this personal connection to to soccer and, you know, we're fans of MLS here, but also um, the Premier League. And with Manchester United, I mean, I'm for, for goodness sake, I'm wearing a Manchester United hoodie right now. Um, so well, you, have to, you have to agree. They, they, maybe they might not know. <laughs> I admitted yeah, it. It's true. Um, and, you know, Manchester United was a team, a club mentioned in this piece, right? And so I just kind of want to learn more about and continue to learn more about Man U's history. And uh, you mentioned the Glazers who own them and just see what more I can learn and, and think about what that means for for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, yeah, that's great. Because so much about, especially like soccer clubs in Europe, um, so much of their history is like a working class history. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, a great uh, a great thing to do. Um, and that history isn't always connect. Like we don't have this. There's not a parallel right here in the U.S. for a yeah. lot of the the teams that we support in sort of the modern era. Absolutely. Right? Um, all right. Well, good stuff. So, Damien, you're up next week. Uh, what are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I am. Uh, so, for our next episode, I actually think, I guess we could say that we're collectively bringing something to the table, right? I suppose so. All right. Uh, well, when that episode comes out, it will be the end of the calendar year 2022. And mm-hmm. uh, we've released a lot of episodes this year. And so I think we want to spend some time taking a look back and reflecting on this incredible year for and of interdependence study. So we we did this last year and it was a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. enjoyed <laughs> that episode and preparing for it so much. So uh, we're going to do that again. Uh, so how it's going to work is we are sort of independently going to reflect on the episodes that we released this year and then come to the table and share our highlights from them, our most memorable moments. Um, and we'll see where that takes us. So we are excited to do this again, our year in review. And, um, we hope you'll take the walk down memory lane with us. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are, these are great, um, exercises in reflection. Um, so yeah, excited to talk about that more next week. Yes. Uh, but for now, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. You know what I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating or review, share a podcast with the people in your life, follow us on social media, sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. It's the end of the year, folks, so this is a it great is. time to do all those things if you if you uh-huh. have forgotten to do those things. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, with that, thank you so much for listening. Remember... 
It's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next time.